Hey, this is Tom Rayner. You are listening to the Christian Music Guys podcast. On today's episode, we sit down with Tom Rayner. Tom Rayner's latest book, I believe, is available everywhere you can buy books. Welcome back to the Christian Music Guys podcast, the podcast for Christian music fans. By Christian music fans, have you been to the zoo this year yet, Jacob? I have not. Uh, the closest zoo uh, from here is Tampa. So, oh, okay, yeah, you've a little distance. We're like just fifteen minutes away from the zoo here. We have the passes and stuff, so we go often whenever it's nice and the weather's starting to get nice. We've been a couple times this year. Uh, the reason I asked that is because I, I came across a story that I thought was awesome, and I wanted to share it here on the podcast. In England, uh, there's at the Blackpool Zoo, uh, they have a new job because, see, the, the last few years, they've had issues with seagulls. Uh, they've had too many seagulls. Now, that's an animal they don't necessarily want at their zoo because they wreak havoc on people that are there trying to eat a snack or they mess with some of the animals and they eat some of the animals' food. It's just kind of become an issue for them. So they were trying to think of an inventive way to get uh, to kind of scare the seagulls away without hurting them. And so this year they tried something new. They posted a job and in the job, the application said, or or like the job description, it was like, you must be comfortable in a bird costume. And so they have a, a person on staff now whose job is, they have it. There's an awesome picture of it. I'll describe it. You know those inflatable Halloween costumes that have the fan? It poofs up like a big, yeah, poofy suit. Yeah, I don't know, like air filled. Well, they have this like air filled suit like that, but it's a bald eagle, and the guy's face just kind of barely sticks out underneath the beak. But the rest of the costume just looks like a super puffy inflated bald eagle. And it's this guy's entire job is to walk around the zoo. With a full-sized, you know, human-sized bald eagle inflatable costume. And and I'm thinking, that's either got to be the best job in the world or the worst job in the world. I'm right. not sure. Yeah. I have been in one of those costumes before. It was a Buzz Lightyear costume. Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing is... I just showed him a picture of it. It's... It's like a mini, like imagine a bounce house, the little blowers that come with a bounce house, but imagine like a C, a size of a CD blower and you have to clip it to your like pants underneath the costume and it just continuously blows like the costume, like to keep it like inflated. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like I'd be up for it just because it'd be fun. You know, you're, you're, you would become someone that people look forward to co- the, going to the zoo for, you know, like. Oh, we get to see the bird guy in the costume. Although trying to get a job in the future might be difficult on the resume. Like, what, what, do you have experience? Well, as a matter of fact, I have experience wearing a bird costume and walking <laughs> around the zoo. So, yeah, that's crazy. You know, yeah. Well, uh, a few things before we get into our interview today with Tom. Uh, be sure to uh, check us out every Tuesday at 4:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we are on uh, a local station in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, if you do not live in Louisville, go to their website, wjie.org, and there you can listen live. And we are on there. They play a clip um, from our show every single week, different artists that we've uh, interviewed. And so check that out. And then also, Jesse, tell them about the end of May. We're going to be in Nashville. The end of May is my birthday, May 28th. So anyone out there, Uh, looking to send 
of birthday wishes my way do so at christianmusicguys.com oh you're talking about caleb awards yeah caleb awards will be there on my birthday the actual award show is on my birthday uh yeah we get to hang out again this year in nashville uh interview artists and uh just kind of get to sit down in person which is always nice it's it's great being able to see people on video you know the video feed and talk with them online but it's always really good to be able to kind of sit down with some of the friends we've made on the podcast uh, in person and be able to chat, have some coffee and catch up. So we'll be doing that. And, uh, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So oh, actually with that, since that's coming up, if you are a listener of this podcast and you have a favorite artist, now's the time to go ahead. Let us know uh, who it is that you would like us to ask a question uh, for you. Uh, the way you can do that, if you go to Apple Podcast, while there, this actually does help us out tremendously. It gets the word out there about our podcast, but leave a review, five stars if you would, uh, and you can comment who your favorite artist is and let us know the question you'd like to ask, or you could go to christianmusicguys.com and there's a contact us uh, page. You could send us an email, uh, let us know who your artist is, uh, let us know how long you've been listening. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'd like to, you know, mention a few people have been reaching out and it's been awesome to hear from you guys. Uh, and so it's always uh, an encouragement to us to be able to hear uh, several people reached out over the last few weeks. And so, uh, yeah, thanks for that. Continue to reach out. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, let us know about the K-Love Awards and who you'd like to talk to. So like I said earlier, we sat down with Tom Rayner, and Tom recently wrote a book, I believe, a great author of so many books, and you will enjoy this interview. Check it out. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with me this afternoon. My joy to be here, and my joy to talk about things that matter to both of us. Exactly. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. Um, how did you, in a Cliff Notes version, how did you uh, get into becoming a writer, uh, author, um, and doing what you do every day? Wow, let's do Cliff Notes for sure, because I'm so <laughs> old. I'm so old, I have to go all the way back. Um, let's go back to 1988. Now, I'm not going to take you from 1998 to 2023, so don't worry about that. Let's go back to 1988. I am a finishing my PhD. And uh, I, I just I have this idea to write a book on the topic of evangelism, particularly pushing evangelism into what would soon be the 21st century, 12 years away at that point. And so uh, I said, you know, Tom, nobody knows who you are. So why don't you get contributors? So I got 2021 20, great contributors. I mean, names you would still know today. But the coup de grace was I got Billy Graham to do the forward. And so. Billy Graham did the forward of a book of an unknown doctoral student, probably because it was on evangelism, and that kind of opened the door. So that's how I got into it, and opportunities came after that particular book. I'm not going to tell you how the rest of them have gone, but just to let you know, I just finished or just published book number 40. So it has been wow. a long path but it started way back in 1988. Do you need to know any more than that, or would it just bore the audience totally? <laughs> That's wonderful. Tom, one of your books uh, is used a lot in church leadership, and, and I've used it. I'm a pastor, and I've used it in my in my leadership. It, your book, Simple Church, uh, is a phenomenal book and um, keeps keeps things simple. 
you know, no pun intended. <laughs> well, look to the co-author on that one. He is really the brains behind it, Eric Geiger. And Eric came to me with the concept. Uh, I helped work it out into, yeah. a, into a way that could be readable. But I got to give a lot of credit to Eric. And Eric is now the uh, lead pastor at Mariner's Church in California. So he has done extremely well. And I'm proud of him. Wow. It's amazing. So let's get into your book, I Believe, A uh, Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith. And, um, you know, this is, I, I read the book and, you know, there's some some stuff that I, I learned for the first time and some stuff that I didn't and, and I, I or some stuff I already knew. But I think it, it's an amazing book, especially for, you know, those un, unseasoned Christians that, you know, need to know all the just the simple stuff, you know, and, and of course the seasoned Christians too, there's, there's things in there that there's good meat in there that uh, a lot of people do not know. And so tell us, uh, why did you want to write this book and, you know, the story behind that? Well, the story behind it, I, I'm a leader of a company called Church Answers and at Church Answers, we are constantly listening to church leaders. I don't know if we've had an original idea, but we sure have listened to a lot of good ideas that have come in from leaders. In fact, in the course of a year, we have there are 350,000 Protestant churches in the United States. About 250,000 of those churches contact us for free or paid resources. So we've got this constant inflow of people talking to us. And one thing that we heard from pastors, I want something to explain the essentials of the Christian faith that any of my church members, any of my elders, any of my deacons, any any church member could pick up and say, I get it. And so, you know, I'm thinking to myself, who is probably one of the most simple-minded people I know? And it is me. And I said, okay, as a simple-minded person, I can communicate this on a level that I would have to have to understand. And so I wrote this book as a result of leaders telling me they really wanted this for the greater number of their church so that they can understand the great truths of the Bible in almost a systematic way. I mean, this is a almost a mini systematic theology, but I'm not going to claim it's any great tome of systematic theology. So in, in just 12 short chapters, we talk about what are the big issues? What are the essential issues? We don't get into secondary issues. We don't get into tertiary issues. We get into the big issues and we I try to make it in a way that's understandable, Jacob. And uh, one of my goals is not just to communicate information, but to communicate information that sticks. And we'll see how well this does. Well, I will say I will be using that book myself with the people in our church because, like you said, it's very um, easy to understand. It's, it's you know, there's not a ton of big words for, you know, a lot of church people that don't understand, but it, it's it's a great book and it's a great book to go to for resources on certain topics. And one of your chapters, I believe in God the Father, you talk about God being omniscient. Uh, we tell our listeners a little bit about God being omniscient. Well, you can look at all the characteristics of God and omniscience comes from two words, omni, all, and science, knowledge. He has all knowledge. So when you think of it that way, omniscience doesn't sound like such a big word. It's just all science. I have all knowledge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on the one hand, Jacob, we can look at that as a doctrinal truth and we can ha hold it high and mighty and uh, just 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 say this is something that that is out there. But it is really very personal because what it means for me and you as believers in Christ is God knows us. He knows our hurts, our hopes our challenges, our families. He knows us. He knows our churches, our businesses. 
He knows everything. And when you begin to personalize that with the mass of humanity and the mass of the cosmos, the creation, to think that God loves me so much that he cares to know things about me, that's where omniscience becomes personal. Same thing with omnipotence, all-powerful. He can do anything. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That is not I can do all things. That is I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And 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 so you 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 get into these words of omniscience, omnipotence. Uh, you 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 get in these words of omnipresent that he is everywhere. That it's not that we're hiding from him, but he's he's with us all the time as well. So he is all present. Those characteristics of God are magnificent tones of doctrine, but they're also highly personal doctrines for Jacob, for Tom, and whoever's listening to this podcast. Absolutely. In your in the same chapter, you talk about God being righteous and about our culture being a culture of entitlement, especially, you know, these last two, three years or so. Uh, talk a little bit about on that. Well, there, there's so many paths I can go on, both righteousness and entitlement. Uh, yeah. right, right, righteousness literally means to be made right. And so when we talk about righteousness, we talk about being right before God. So that's, that's what you got to remember. That's the standard to be right before God. What human has been right before God in his or her own power? Only Christ, the, the, the man who is God, the man who is both human and God. And he has, he is perfect righteousness because he is God. And so the standard for righteousness is, is God. And how do we get there? Again, this personalizes. I have nothing righteous. Paul would call it like filthy rags. I have nothing. But then again, I don't have to dwell in that cellar. I can say, but through Christ, I have everything. God sees me through the lens of his son, Jesus Christ, who took the punishment for our sin. And he sees me as perfectly righteous because all sin has been taken away. That's just kind of what blows me away when I say, I believe in God the Father and I believe in righteousness. And boy, doesn't that get us away from an entitlement mentality when we when we realize we deserve nothing, but we've been given everything. I mean, that that that, that blows me away. The closest thing I can come to that is my family. I've been married for 45 years and I don't deserve Nellie Jo, but she's, she's a gift from God. Uh, I have three sons that I adore, three men, which proves how old I am. And they're gifts from God that I didn't deserve, but I adore. I have loving grandchildren, same thing. And wh why did I get them? Not because I deserve them, but because it was an act of love. And it's God's act of love is Christ. And righteousness takes away all sense of entitlement. And if I'm a church member, quite frankly, and I think of where I've gotten my righteousness, I'm not going to be so worried about music style. I'm not going to be so worried about the length of the sermon. I'm not going to be so worried about if I'm going to get my way on this and that. I'm just going to say I don't deserve anything because all the righteousness I have has been given with God. I know I'm personalizing this, but that's that's how these doctrines come alive for me. Yeah, that's good. Uh, now we're going to open up some can of worms here. Uh, the Trinity, you talk about the Trinity in there. And a lot of Christians, they just can't wrap their head around that. You know, some people are just, I don't understand that. And I, 
I, I, I tried my best one time explain trying to explain it in layman's terms to someone. And I don't know if I did a good job or not, or if they understood, but I said, it's like me. I said, you know, I'm a father and I'm also, I'm a son to my parents. And then I'm a husband to my wife, but I'm still the same person, you know? And I'm just like, I don't know if I did that right. But <laughs> so the Trinity, it's, it's a complex thing, but it doesn't have to be so hard to understand, but you know, it's, it is complex. Can you tell our listeners the Trinity? Uh, yeah, let me tell your listeners what the Trinity is. Yeah, every, everybody turn in. Tom Rayner's got the Trinity uh, figured out. I'll take all emails to Tom.Rayner. Right, let's, let, let's start off with there is only one God. Okay, so we, we there are not three gods. There is mm-hmm. one God. That one God is three persons. That one God was present at three persons at creation. That one God was present at three persons at the baptism Mm -hmm. of Jesus. That one God is present in three persons today. So that's, that's, that's the bottom line. And if you try to explain the Trinity, that magnificent truth that God is a father, a son, and a Holy spirit, but he is still one. You can't do it because (laughs) it is, it is, it, it is, it doesn't defy logic. It isn't part of logic is a part of the mind of God. And you know, let me just ask the listeners this rhetorically. I know they can't respond, but how do you explain creation? You know, we just accept the fact that in the beginning was God and God created the heavens and the earth. Well, that's as big a mystery to me as the Trinity. And, and we, 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 we get hung up on the Trinity because we have difficulty explaining it in human terms and it is way past human terms, but it gives me something of the relationship of who God is. He has a relationship among the persons of the Trinity with himself. And that tells me above all that our God is highly relational. So if you just want to come back to it, let's don't explain it. Let's just say it happens and it shows something to us about the nature of God and his relational character. One of, one of my favorite, uh, well, probably is my favorite part in the whole book is when you talk about prayer. Uh, Tom, our, our nation needs prayer uh, like never before. We need we need God to move upon our hearts and the hearts of his people. Uh, in the church, you know, the, the church, the, the importance of a praying church is so important, especially like these days, you know. And if you don't have a praying church, then you don't have you don't have life. You don't have. Um, you know, you have like a bitter root, you have you know, uh, dry bones and talk about the importance of and the power of prayer. Let's talk about prayer in the church by first talking about the church. Yeah. Uh, Jesus said to Peter, upon this confession, I will build my church. I'm not going to get into all of the nuances of what all that meant, but he did say, we're going to build the church. Okay. So Jesus ascended in Acts 1.8. And he said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Then the angel said, what are you looking at? This man who's been taken up will come back. Now, go get ready. So they went to get ready for what? For the formation of the church. They couldn't articulate it that way, I don't think. I wasn't there. But they went to get ready. How did they get ready? They went to the upper room to pray. The church was formed upon the foundation of prayer. It was at that point the Holy Spirit came, and now God lives in us. God manifests himself 
on people in the Old Testament, but now God dwells in us in the New Testament through the Holy Spirit. It was preceded by prayer. What happens when the church is formed in Acts 2.42? And they devoted themselves to teaching of the word. They devoted themselves to the supper, fellowship. And it, and it, it ends with these three words that I think are ultimate in their order. Dr. Luke says, and to prayer. Okay. The church was formed on the foundation of prayer. The church was empowered through prayer and the church continues today by prayer. Now, if we begin to take prayer out of the equation of the church, it's, yeah, you're right. We have a lifeless church, but I'm almost willing to say we don't have a church. Right. Because we, 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 we have more of a civic organization, maybe even a country club, than we do a church if we are not prayer dependent. Now, we're often asked the question, you know, how does that show itself? Well, the methodologies are not as important as the priority. The methodologies would say that we, we do have prayer in our worship services, that we do have prayer ministries that people can be a part of and participate and see God working. It does mean that we are emphasizing prayer as a part of our personal discipline. And it does mean for the leaders of the church, remember what their mandate was. Hey, you've got these widows in Acts 6 who, who are not getting food, and we're going to appoint seven from among you to distribute the food, but you leaders give your attention to what prayer and to the ministry of the word Acts six, four. And so prayer is not a PS in the church. Prayer is not just another program in the church. Prayer is the power that should consume the church. And I love, you know, I look around and uh, I remember Asbury in 1970. Now, now, let me correct that. I don't remember it that well because I was a teenager who wasn't paying much attention in 1970. But I studied about February 3rd, 1970, Asbury Revival. And now we're seeing another manifestation of the revival. I just talked to a friend in Uganda and he was talking. He was, I I almost just want to go get, I, I have to communicate with him through WhatsApp for security reasons. And I just, I'm going to just take a second and just read what he wrote about what is happening in Uganda while we're beginning to have all of these ministries, prayer ministries break forth as well. He said, Tom, there is an unusual heightened hunger for God in Uganda. We're seeing pockets of revival gathering. Asbury revival is what we are aware of it. But there is a very distinct and unusual gathering happening in Jinja, a district east of Kampala City. This is Uganda. Thousands of people gathered at a crusade, brought all their witchcraft articles and burned them and gave themselves to Christ in unusual numbers as the church, what, prayed. Mm. So the worldwide church is still a praying church. And we're seeing it in a new wave of awakenings and revival and I'm not going to presume where God's going to take this and I'm not going to try to analyze it or critique it. I'm just going to thank God for where his power is working. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's, if people are not praying, then God's not going to move. And I mean, that's how revival happens is is through prayer and and repenting and um, crying out to God. And so prayer, prayer is absolute 
part of our Christian walk. Remember, God spoke both as a command to pray and as a subjunctive, if my people will pray, then. Yeah. So, yeah, you're, you're exactly right there. Yeah. So this next part, um, I'm going to ask you, we're going to have some little fun. It could be divisive. So this is the part in the Thank in you the, very much. I just, I, that's what I need <laughs> is one more critic. I appreciate that. <laughs> where where, where I'm, I'm going to give you a word and you just give me your favorite thing in that category. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the first one is, what is your favorite food? Red meat. Usually Red a meat. good steak. Okay. So you like medium rare? Mm-hmm, I do. Okay, good. You're saved. That's amazing. Yes, medium rare <laughs> medium rare steaks. You, you, uh, usually a ribeye if you want to go a little bit deeper. Oh, yeah. And I could that's that's one meat I could eat the whole thing. Yes. Fat and all. Yes. What is your favorite movie? Okay. This is where I might get in a little bit of trouble because <laughs> the, the, the the movie is not G. It's not even PG. But it's Forrest Gump. Let me let, okay. let, let me explain why. Forrest Gump, everything he does in that movie are places that I have been for the most part. Mm-hmm. I was born in Alabama. I remember the Selma Bridge and, and marching across the bridge. Um, my dad was a mayor of a town and the district judge in town, his political opponent was George Wallace, who was in that movie. Mm. I went to the University of Alabama where he in the movie fictitiously went and played football. Yeah. So when I look at Forrest Gump and I see all of the places he's been, it is a part of my heritage. And I basically was Forrest Gump's age. So whatever age he was playing and playing in the 60s, uh, I did not go to Vietnam like he did. But it's, it, it was like it was replaying places in my life even though I was not an All-American football player, I was not a ping-pong champion, and I didn't do all the things he did. I was a city ping-pong champion, but not a world ping-pong yeah. champion. Did, uh, you're not an Alabama fan, are you? I am. I am. I graduated from Alabama in 77. and uh, well, I have, well, thank I have you, Tom, so much for your time. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you a Gator? No, no. I, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, so... We're having the worst year ever, but I'm a Louisville Cardinal fan, so I don't mind Louisville. I lived in Louisville no, eighteen years no. and I I was there during the Patino peak years. Yeah. Yeah. We'll and even the that. Howard Schellenberger football years. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm not anti Louisville. Uh, there you go. if you if you were to say Auburn, we might have a dis- different discussion. <laughs> no, I'm not an Auburn fan. What uh, do you have a favorite T V show? It would not be contemporary because I just simply do not watch TV. Sure. But this is really old-fashioned, and I think I like the reruns more than when I saw them originally, but Andy Griffith. Yes. I just, I just love the folksy wisdom of Andy, and I can watch him to this day. My wife and I's favorite show is Andy Griffith and I Love Lucy. We love those two shows. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> do you have a favorite author? Oh... Trying to, I'm trying to think in different genre uh, what I would do. Well, I, I, got, I guess I have to say, since one of my favorite books is by him, most people are not going to know him, but it's Michael Green. Okay. And Michael Green wrote a classic book, first published in 1970. He wrote others, but it was called Evangelism in the Early Church, historical account of the first four centuries of the early church from a perspective of evangelism and the Great Commission. And because I learned so much of that book, I've, I've probably read it 
a dozen or more times and it's thick and it's heavy noted. I, I don't even know how I can read it with my lack of intellect, but I've been, I've been able to. So most people are not going to know that name, but as far as somebody that has impacted me, uh, that, that, that would be the name. I'll also say along with many other people, uh, I, I really benefited from C.S. Lewis as a young Christian. So not Narnia, but, but mere Christianity and screw tape letters. Uh, yeah, that's a good book. So th- th- those are some of the authors that uh, have influenced me. Uh, I-, I like to read a lot of leadership books, too, and it's just a mixed genre right there. Sure. If you wasn't an author or speaker, what would you be doing? Well, I was a pastor, and I uh, pastored four churches, and I feel sorry for the people that served under me. Because, you know... On a scale of on a scale of one to ten, I was probably four point two. If I'm even even being generous, if I wasn't doing what I was doing and God let me, I would be pure entrepreneurial businessman. There you go. Yeah, I like. Do you ever watch the show Shark Tank? I love that mm-hmm. show. I love. I, that show. I, I watched it particularly in its early season. I haven't watched it yeah. much now though. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite ice cream flavor? Let me think. Let me think. Yeah, vanilla. Vanilla. Okay. Uh, do you have a favorite podcast? I love listening to my son on EST. Okay. Do you have a favorite Christian music podcast? Maybe. Yeah, the Christian music guys. It's yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing close of those that I know. There we go. Amazing. <laughs> I have to check them out. <laughs> and do you have a favorite Bible verse? Yeah, probably Acts four twenty. Uh, we cannot help but speak of the things that we have seen and heard. It was Peter and John responding to the Sanhedrin who told them to shut up talking about Jesus. And they just basically said, kill us, put us in prison, whatever. But we can't stop talking about those things we have seen and heard. Yeah. Uh, Tom, what is next uh, for you and how can our listeners keep up with you? Churchanswers.com is the organization that I lead. And so articles, podcasts, all, all of that information is is there. There are, t- there are a couple of things that are really lighting our fire right now. First of all, we opened Church Answers University, which is a certification school, not a degree-granting school. We know that there are a lot of individuals who cannot or maybe will not go and get a college or seminary degree to be trained for ministry. So we're offering a certification, and we're, we're it took off. It just took off. So Church Answers University and again, if you'll allow me for your listeners, that's churchanswers.university for those who want. And then what we'll be introducing in May, I don't know when this one will air, but we will uh, be introducing in May Church Equip. And we're basically coming alongside leaders and providing all the tools they need, not all the tools, but many of the tools they need to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. We're trying to take the load off of the leaders so the members can be equipped more. Those are our two big initiatives right now. Awesome. And and people can get a, a copy of your, I believe, book anywhere where books are sold, I'm assuming? Uh, I'm assuming so, too. All Tyndale's right. pretty good about getting them in yeah. and all over the place. That's great. So to wrap up, I'd like to see if you'd be willing to share something that God has maybe been doing in your life recently that would help build our, our, our listeners' faith. God has helped me focus on my prayer life. My prayer life, we've talked about the importance of prayer, Jacob, and but if I am honest, I will say I have seasons of struggles with prayer. Some of it is distraction because 
I am project list oriented and I sometimes just want to get the project done and don't give time for prayer. Uh, some of it is just simply lack of priority and probably all of it is lack of priority. But um, what happened recently is because I can be focused when I see something, I just decided I was going to get a prayer out. And I got a prayer out, looked at, looked at a few of the reviews, and I started writing all my prayers on my prayer app. And that has been revolutionary for me because it helps me to focus. And I, I use the prayer app Echo Prayer, and I don't know if it's the one of the good ones out there or not. It's just the one I got. And now I can put my smartphone in front of me and instead of being distracted I'm looking at all the prayer requests and I love it when someone says will you pray for me I stop for just a minute and type it into my app and I say sorry to do this but this is the way that I'm going to remember to pray for you so my prayer life has been enhanced by doing something that it fits my personality a lot better that has made me more obedient that's amazing well, Tom, thank you so much and, and chatting with me this afternoon. And uh, before we go, let's, let me hear your best Forrest Gump impression. Well, <laughs> that's what Mama says. And if Mama says that we can always do that in Gumbo, Alabama. So that's what I think. <laughs> Woo, I'm thinking you missed your calling, man. Hollywood's going to be calling you up. <laughs> no, I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, Well, thanks again, Tom, for sitting down, and thank you, listener, for tuning in this week. We certainly appreciate you guys. Be sure to check us out on all socials at Christian Music Guys. Head over to ChristianMusicGuys.com to check out past episodes. Uh, While there, you can check out our blog and also how you can join our support team. Thanks. We'll see you again next week.